I, I'm preaching this week and then on May 15th. Those are the last two times that we have scheduled for me to speak. I have to be careful I don't get emotional as I say that. Um, so my last two messages to you are are going to be not so much inspirational as they are like a father talking, like a father in the faith, I mean. And, um, and it's, it's, it's intended that somehow by the Holy Spirit that it would not just be communicating any kind of information, but that I would talk to your heart and that you would give a yes and amen to the Lord. Everything I'm going to talk about will require obedience. Will require the commitment to say, yes, Lord, we will, I will do this. And together as a congregation, we will do this. So that's the angle I'm going to come at it from. And I want to start by saying, the, uh, a healthy church is the hope of a community. A healthy church, quite frankly, and I'm using the adjective healthy and the adjective healthy in there on purpose, because not every church is the hope of the community. Just because the people are gathering on a Sunday and meeting inside the four walls and doing their thing, I don't care how spectacular the worship, whatever we think about a move of God, and I'm all for that. You know I am. I'm a charismatic dude. I'm all over that. Having said that, I don't care what goes on inside those four walls. If, if there is not health in that group, the community knows, and it's a laughing stock. There have been times past here, and I say this with all due respect, but there's been times past here where this, this church has been a laughing stock. I don't believe you are anymore. You know, I, in the first couple of years I was here, I was continually asked, by the community, by the way, not within the church, but people, because, you know, I, I worked hard at, until a pandemic, obviously, but then some relationships were already there. But I worked hard at um, uh, uh, developing relationships with people in the community. And I'd have them ask me the question, so how are they treating you over there? And it was loaded. The question was loaded. And I would respond with, Fantastic, amazing, we're loved, cared for, it's good. Well, just wait a little bit, like that's in the first year. Just wait. In the second year, so how are they treating you? Fantastic. In the third year, not asked the question quite so much, but when it gets asked and I'm still saying fantastic, eyebrows are raised and they're going, wow, really, yeah, and the people are getting along, everything's good, like, you're serious, yeah. And so I say, to your credit, though there's been some history at different times, you know, of ups and downs and whatever, you're at a place now, because you, you guys have put the effort into it, we are in a place, and I'm starting to say you, because it's not we as much, although I'm not going to, Linda and I are not going to become disconnected with you if we, if we can have any part in just still walking out relationship. And what, I mean, thank God for virtual Zoom calls and things like that and connecting. But if I could, I would say to you, you have worked hard at, at uh, you know, maintaining relationships, trying to restore relationships, whatever. And I think in the community now, honestly, I think, I think you are set up for amazing growth. Honestly, I do. I think you have amazing teams developing. I think Brad and Kate are doing a great job, phenomenal job actually. I think uh, some of the teams being built, some of the energy that's going on. Brad, you guys aren't uh, broadcasting loud enough what's going on in the youth and the children. That needs to be, you need to be, let everybody know that on, on a Sunday. Like the specifics, like how many, how many did you have out at youth? This week or last week? This week. Yeah, grab a mic. How many did you have out this week? Or last week, or both weeks. So two weeks ago at youth, we had 32 youth here. Yeah. And 
last week we had 23. Yeah. And it's been consistent like that, like wow. over 20 every Somebody week. Somebody say wow. Yeah. yeah. And then... Just wait, 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 wait. Oh, sorry. Did you ha not have um, some kids that come to Jesus, yeah? Yeah, we had a, several youth come to know Jesus. Did you hear that? that? Yeah. yeah. And we, we're starting a youth worship team, and there's youth tech team, and there's youth running Sugar Shack, and like they're, they're investing. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Don't, don't you think that's amazing? Yeah. yeah. And how about the children? So in Kids Club, we've got, how many we have last week? 27? Yeah, we had 27. So that's great. That's only grades two to five. Like, that's a small window. We had 27 youth or kids last week. A uh, week before was 23 or four, 22 or three on our first night. Like, it, it's just been constant. Yay! And, and every single week, whether it's youth or kids club, we seem to be having multiple new ones coming out every wow. single time. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Wow. So that, you know what that tells me? Because we don't see them all here yet. And even if we didn't, for that matter, right? Our goal isn't for them to be here. Hello? Our yeah. goal is for them to become people who follow Jesus, Christ That's followers. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. the goal. And, of course, that involves them being involved in some sort of community of faith. That has to happen in order for, you know, to really walk out our faith. But having said that, whether they land here or somewhere else, that's, listen, so long as the kingdom of God is advanced, right. the kingdom of God is populated and the kingdom of hell is diminished. Yeah. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Then that's good. Yeah. So... So what, what it tells me, Brad, is that there is already community impact. Yeah. And we could talk about Christmas and Easter and all the other things, yeah. but uh, that's what I'm talking about, favor. That's what I'm talking about, a different, there's a different uh, attitude that the community has yeah. towards the church. And so we need to say in Jesus' name, any lingering clouds of of doubt in here, of, you know, yeah, but we're, in Jesus' name, let that all be gone. This is a fresh, this is a new day, this is a fresh slate, this is, this is, this is your opportunity. Yeah. I firmly believe that. Thanks, Brad. That's good. But, it, you know, would you pray for those, uh, those, the youth and the children's uh, events, because they're more than, this is more than programming, guys. People are coming to Jesus and lives are being touched. And you see the, health, the healthy local church brings the light of Jesus, lifts up the banner of Jesus, exalts Jesus, lifts him high, and is not afraid or ashamed of the gospel, is not afraid to com communicate the good news of the kingdom of God. And when I say church now, I'm not just talking about corporately, though I include that, but I'm talking about us in the community, actually looking for the opportunities, saying, Jesus, show me who what you're doing today and help me participate with that and that person that you connect with it might not be that day that you say Jesus saves hello you know we used to kind of be on the thing well if you're not you know talking about your faith every day you know are you not uh, telling somebody about Jesus something's haywire listen there's ways we I think there's some truth to that I think my faith should get communicated by the expression of my life in my words as well but it sometimes I am communicating the greatness of the kingdom of God the love the joy the peace the whatever and and that's what I'm communicating to them other times I'm communicating to them the gospel of Christ. Do you know there are, and, and I'm not saying two opposing gospels, but there's two pieces to the gospel lit, just literally means good news. There are two main messages of good news. According to the scripture in Acts, it says that the, of the apostles, often it says of them that they preach Christ and his kingdom. Now, when we say preach, because of the context that we're used to, we're talking about some dude standing on, or dudess standing on the platform talking like I am. Right? That's what we think of preaching. Well, I'm not a preacher. No, no. It doesn't mean literally preach. It means to broadcast. In other words, tell the good news. And every one of us in here are wired differently, different personalities, introverts, extroverts, in-betweenverts. 
And in all of that, Jesus doesn't expect you to do it like I do. You might not be the bombastic, charismatic, you know, personality that God's made me into. You might be, you know, the introvert and the quiet. But listen, there's still the place sitting over the kitchen table having a coffee. There's still the place in Tim Hortons. There's still a... I can't tell you how many people came to me back in the day when, <coughs> excuse me, before the pandemic, when they would come and sit with me and... Tim Hortons, because I'd sit in there for three, four hours a day. I didn't mind that because I drank the coffee and I studied and whatever. Had the stuff out on the table and somebody come over and sit with me. Tell me their story. That's, and, then, and then I would share. Like It wasn't always proclaiming Jesus, but it was either proclaiming Jesus or his kingdom. Or both. Depending on where the person's at. So the, the healthy local church is the, the, the hope of a community. And as we, as we proclaim the good news and as we lift Jesus high, and I want to encourage you, always lift Jesus high. That it is at the end of the day, as much as we use tools to see people, you know, to connect with people. It's, it's, we, we were not called to just the betterment of a community. As a matter of fact, I think the betterment of the community is a byproduct of really living our lives as we ought to live them in the community. And so when we're doing that, we're, t- we're, sh- we're, we're telling people the good news of Jesus and the good news of the kingdom of God. And as we're doing that, and as we're helping in the community, and, the, and a, you see, a community is transformed one life at a time. Hello? You will not transform a community or a nation, for that matter, with politics. You won't. Constantine tried it. He legislated a lot of the, in the age of Christendom, which we just came out of in the mid-80s. We're no longer in the age of Christendom, not in Canada. But when everything was legislated, that was, faith was legislated. Everything was closed on Sundays. Some of the rules of regs, you know, how we, how we viewed marriage as a culture, how we, he legislated all that. Look where that got us. Like, well-meaning, but it, seriously, in the end, it produced cultural Christians. It produced people who were, would say, I'm Christian, but, but there's no lordship there. There's no walking with Jesus there. There's no, yes, Lord, I'll be obedient to you. Yeah, I'll go to church on Sunday, and yes, I'll say yes and amen. And once in a while, I, even though I feel uncomfortable with it, I might raise my hands or possibly say brother or sister. But you know what? It didn't produce, by trying to legislate it, it it never, legislating Christianity will not produce life in the kingdom. So you can't, this is transformed, when one life is transformed, there's people who got saved here Easter Sunday, and so what do we do? We say, we want to disciple them. Who? The pastors? No, you. Like, when you see somebody come to Jesus, go and say, man, I'm, you know, could I meet with you? Like, work with the pastors on it, but could, like, so there's something systematic happening, but could I meet with you? Like, we need to take responsibility. The message of Matthew 28, when Jesus told us, he said, go and make disciples of all nations and teach them to observe everything that I've taught you, which is basically two things. Love God and love each other. Hello, that's, a, that's what I taught you. And I want to tell you, it's hard to do that, guys. Especially to love each other. And that's what kind of what I want to touch on for just a, I have a whole bunch of things. And obviously it's not all going to happen today. That's why I said in the next two messages I want to do this. But I have some things that I want to leave with you. And, and it's about this healthy church idea. Because the church is you. Jesus said, by this they'll know that you're my disciples. And that's by your love for one another. But love isn't just an emotion. Love is an attitude. Love is a commitment. 
I've been married 46 years. You know, I probably have more positive emotion now towards my wife than I did in years past. And I would like to think that she could say the same thing. But you know, at the end of the day, it's not about our emotion. It's about how we serve each other. I'm talking about, as, I'm talking about Linda and I. Love gets expressed in how we serve each other and how we bear with each other. You know, and sometimes bearing with is a pain in the n- n- neck. Thank you. Isn't it? It's hard. There's times when I've walked out the door like because I need some air. Frickus, frickus, some some come a crazy woman you gave me to some And then after Jesus gets a hold of me, I gotta go back in and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then usually it's, well, I'm sorry too. Because it takes two usually. Well, a lot of times it took just one because I'm just a jerk. Well, you know what I'm saying. That takes effort. So if I could leave some things with you, that's my intention. I want to start with the first one that I think is how everything, its foundation, is we got to walk, and I, and I implore you, walk in the love of God. I beg you. Walk in the love of God. The love of God for you. Because without you experiencing the love of God continually, without me, the same thing, then what happens is, you see, I don't walk in the love of God, I walk in my own, and mine's tied to emotion, and mine's tied to, you know, well, I'll either like you or don't like you. But when I walk in the love of God, that's the agape love of God. And you know, 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, the agape love of God... That's the love of God. That's not a love I can muster up. It's not something I can convince myself to do. That's as I'm filled with Jesus, this starts to happen. And I'm, I have my own revelation of the love of God for me. And, and I begin to understand, you know, that he accepts me unconditionally, without any, without any strings attached, and that, that he will never leave me. And his, it, come hell or high water, come my sin, come demons, come trial or tribulation. I'm basically quoting Paul in Romans. And come whatever, nothing will ever separate me from the love of God. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And that's the words of Paul. No demon can do that even. You say, well, I'm screwed up. Yeah, but there's no strings attached. It's Jesus plus absolutely nothing. Are you guys, I saw you're going to do a, are you doing a series called Jesus plus nothing kind of thing? Did I see that, or is that somebody else? Anyway, it's Jesus and nothing. That would be a good series. <laughs> it's absolute. So I and and when I know that, then I become secure enough in myself that I can love even when there's no love coming back at me. Hello. Even when I get rejected, I can love. Why? Because I'm filled with God's love. And because he doesn't reject me, I have no right to reject somebody else. Hello? I have no right to do that. They say, yeah, but do I have to like him? I just got nothing to do with like. (laughs) There's some people I'm called to love that honestly, I I always said, you know, way way to tell whether or not I really like somebody is if I, uh, I invite them to spend eight hours in a boat with me. Like there's some people I really like and I enjoy their company. I want to spend the time in a boat. Because in a boat, you don't, well, some of the boats here, I mean, I know there's big ones, but I'm talking about the kind I can afford. <laughs> so while we're out in our dinghy, no, just kidding. <laughs> and there's some people whom I just would not care to spend eight hours of my day with uh, trapped in a boat. But that doesn't mean I don't love them. Because I'm called to love. 
And now, when you, I would like to read Philippians chapter 2 to kind of build on this. This may turn out I need three weeks, but I need permission. I feel so good about that. Somebody asked me, so what's it like um, remaining in a place where you're turning it over to somebody else? And I said, well, for the most part, 95% of it is like fantastic. Because I get, at my age, 67, I get great joy out of watching Brad and Kate's age bracket uh, released in ministry, empowered and doing it. And, and, and honestly, I talk to young ministry couples all over the country. It's one of the reasons why when I said I couldn't go to the conference and Wes is saying to me, I really need you there. Because I have, by the grace of God, I say this. I have lots of connection with, I was going to say next-gen leaders, but when we say next-gen leaders, you know there's a generation or two generations below the cricks now. So next gen is relevant, right? <laughs> it's all a matter of perception. For, for me, yeah, Ray, for you, I'm next gen. <laughs> I, think, I, think you, I, think, yeah, I think you're two or three years older than me. <laughs> so, so, right? So it's all relevant. But I'm relating to all kinds of them. And, and people say, what's it like? And I say, for the most part, my, my chest swells with a sense of fulfillment and gratitude that God will allow me to participate in such a thing. I said, then there is this little piece that is, well, they don't need me. And you can't fix that. That's actually one of the reasons why there's so many tragedies in handing off where older guys are handing it off to younger people is because that little 5%, they let it rule them. And they still want to have control. The joy is, you don't need me. I mean, do we want each other? Yes, absolutely. Do I still connect? Yes. But you know what I'm talking about. Like everything for the last few months has been running here with Brad and Kate's direction. That's just been going on. So we have, we have coaching times and, you know, times where, you know, I'll get a call like, okay, what do we do, whatever. But it's them making the decisions and, and, and minor suggestions, and I would say to do this. And that's a piece that Brad and Kate, I hope we don't stop. That's, that's a good piece. But at the end of the day, I got to be prepared to release and let go and not let that 5% of angst that goes, they don't need me. They're going to forget about us. Like, yeah, okay, we put, you know, all the flesh stuff. Because that's what it is. See, when I walk in the love of God, that shifts everything. And this is... Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. By the way, let me say this. When we talk about the strategies of hell against the church, our weakest link is our relationships. Oh, let me back up the train. Our weakest link is our flesh. Our flawed humanity. It's our weakest link. And over and over and over and over again in the work that I do, and a lot of it is helping churches that are in all kinds of turmoil and whatever mess. Some I do is consulting, some, you know, where I'm just in and out. Other times it's, wow, this one will move there and help. That's what we're doing when we're going to Surrey. We've got a whole same thing, man. Big, you know, situations and stuff. You say, how do we pull this together? I will give it a shot. But the weakest link is our flawed humanity that doesn't obey the word of God when it comes to our relationships. And the devil hits that and he can implode a place when we get stupid and disobedient. So listen to this. I'm going to read a couple of passages, but I'll start with this one. And I'm going to conclude with this because I didn't get very far today. I hope I said something that meant something to somebody. 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, I want to read. Oh, before I do that, I was on 1 Corinthians 13 for a second. I, that's how my mind works. I, but Linda and I were talking about my memory when we were driving over here, and there was huge blocks of things I don't remember from my childhood or my, my teen years. And my brother just reminded me of one that was very significant, and I didn't remember it. I was, I was lamenting to Linda. And do you know what her, the softness and gentleness of her empathetic spirit said? You fried your brain on acid. What do you expect? <laughs> I'm serious. That's what she said. She said, you did so much acid. How will you expect to remember stuff like that? I was speechless. Because I had nothing to say. Because she was probably right. Oh yeah, so back to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5 says, in the, in the message. You see, in the King James Version, it says, Love seeketh not her own. In the message, it says, Love does not look for love in return. Did you hear that? I've, love seeketh not her own. So the, the, the writer of the message, Eugene Peterson, because it's, a, it's not a translation, it's a paraphrase, he, he takes the literary license to expand that. But he's saying the same thing. Love seeketh not her own. Love does not look for love in return. Imagine, think about if we lived by that. But you see, that's not human love. That's agape love. <laughs> that's the love of Jesus for you. That even when you don't love him back, he still loves you. I got, I got children that aren't walking with Jesus. You got children. Some of you got the same thing. And listen, I want to tell you the truth. I often say, it's part of my speech to say it often. They're not going to get too far because they got too much God in them. They got too much God in them. You go, and I really mean that. Because the love of God will not leave us. You say, love does not seek her own. Love does not look for love in return. So even when you don't love me, I love you. For God so loved the world. And we got a world around us that's rejecting Jesus and God and turning to all kinds of crazy things, new age stuff and bizarre stuff. And they're trying to somehow find their spirituality and they're not, they're not bringing Jesus into the equation. God still loves them. Isn't that a great thing? So, but Paul, in writing that passage in 1 Corinthians 13, he's talking about how he's talking about body life. He's talking about church life. So love one another. Love does not look for love in return. What if we all live by that? That I'm so secure in the love of God that I'm going to love you even if you're prickly. I will still love you. And then if I can't love you, and I'm going to show you the scripture for this, if it seems like I just, I can't, I can't forgive, I can't, they just, you just wrong me so bad I can't. You know what the Bible actually says? It says that I don't know the love of God if I'm walking in that. I want to read it for you. It's in John. I don't know the love, First John. I don't know the love of God. You do not know the love of God if you hate your fellow believer. Holy smoke, that's strong. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to hell? No, it means you have had enough of the revelation of the love of God that you accepted him, but not enough of God, not enough of the revelation of God to cause you to walk in godliness. Revelation of the love of God. I use that as a measure for me. When there's times when I'm not forgiving or I'm just really ticked off and, and, and I go, man, I, get, I just want to reject some. And in my flesh, actually, in my flesh, talking about the old days, honestly, still to this day, I haven't punched somebody in decades. But that's the first thought, man. I'm going to just take a... And I forget I'm 67 and look like this. 
I'm going to probably be rolled over, have a lick and hung on me like I never experienced before. But that's a first thought. Gee, you tick me off, man. You, you just, back in the day, you don't, you don't re- disrespect me, man. You cannot. And, and you just disrespected me. And, and I go home and I think about that. Jesus, I need more of your love. I need you to reveal your love. It's a measuring stick for me. If you can't forgive, that's your measuring stick. You you don't need them to do something. You don't need the person who wronged you to do anything, no matter how horrible the wrong was. And I know that sitting out here, there could be people who have horrendous wrongs done to them. No matter how wrong the person was and what horrible thing they brought on you. If you can't forgive them, It's not what they do. It's you that needs to get more connected to Jesus. Because he forgave us. While he was being pounded to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're even involved with here. They don't get what's really going on. Father, forgive them. Wow. When Jesus could have called tens of thousands of angels down to rescue him and say, this is enough, is enough. Because the Bible says he could have done that. Why didn't he do it? Because of his love for us. His love for the world. He said, no, I am not going to allow the... Because Jesus was very God and also very man. And he did not let his humanity rise above And take authority or control over the situation. Because in so doing, he would be no less than Satan. What he did. I take control over the will of God. It supersedes the will of God. My will overrules God's will. Are you with me? So this is challenging when we say we're going to walk in the love of God. There's Philippians Chapter 2 passes. I'm going to switch to my. It says. Is there any encouragement. From belonging to Christ. Do you have any encouragement from belonging to Jesus? Do you have any kind of comfort. From his love. And do you have any fellowship together in the spirit he asks. And are your hearts tender and compassionate? And then he goes into it in verse 2. Then, if you have any of these things that he just said in verse 1. If you got any of those things, he says, then. And and I say this to you as a brother who's been amongst you for three years. And one who has endeavored to serve as best as I could serve. He says, then make me truly happy. If you got any of this stuff, then make me happy, guys. By agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Wow. Loving one another. And working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't get sidetracked. Through the pandemic, there was challenges not to get sidetracked. Anti this, anti that, pro this, pro that, against this, for that. And some churches got totally sidetracked. And I say, to those churches that I've gone in and talked to, and actually it comes out in a prophetic word that I gave last week, it says, convoys are not going to usher in the kingdom of God. Hello? And stay on mission. Stay on mission. And you might disagree with what I just said. You're welcome to that. But at the end of the day, that's the first time I've said something like that. Because I'm trying to hold us to stay on mission. And we're so easily sidetracked into going, Ken just said that. And I said it on purpose, just for that reason. If something rises in you, you still got to love me. Amen. Hello? 
He says, all right, we can disagree, but you see, we're called together for one purpose, to lift Jesus high and see the gospel spread throughout Charlotte County. And we believe by the grace of God, we're called to make a difference, to see lives transformed one by one and to see community transformation take place in that. That's our mission. No politics, no whatever's going on in the day. And so the Apostle Paul, he says, he says, um, working together with one mind and one purpose. Verse 3, he says, don't be selfish, full of self. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Wow. That jerk. Do you think you're a jerk? Think of people as better than yourself. Even the weakest ones. Even the ones that are seriously struggling. Think of people as better than yourself. You see, because what that does is it brings us to a place of humility and say, Jesus, all, I, all that I know, all that I have, eh, anything I've experienced, it all came from you in the first place. And so I will not level up in my attitude. Lord, help me. You see, Ken Parker was on the street. And Ken Parker had no vision for his life. The young Ken Parker had no understanding of what the of God, let alone what his will would be. Ken Parker, Ken Parker had no, no idea about who he was and who God was. And Jesus came. The light shone, not literally. But the light of Jesus shone into my spirit. And I said, yes, Lord. And here I am. Uh, 50, 49 years later, Jesus changed my life. And then when I walk in that kind of humility or that kind of knowledge, it should create in me a humility that causes me to think of others better than myself. Too many preachers had issues of entitlement. It was easy to get into entitlement. Well, I deserve this. I deserve that. I, look, I deserve this kind of care. Yeah. And you know what it produced? It produced people who were no, no longer grateful for the kind little gestures that people made. Because, no, this is my place. But when I, when I walk in what Jesus calls us to, then I think of others as greater than myself. My education, whether I have one or not, means nothing. My stature means nothing. My place in life. Jesus, thank you for everything you've given me. Help me to think of others as better than myself. Look at this verse 4. Don't look out for only your own interests. And some of these I'm going to unpack over the next couple of weeks. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And in verse 5, he says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And from there, if you know that passage, that's where it is. Uh, it, he, it began, he, Paul unpacks that. And he says, Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be counted equal with God, became a servant to all. How's that for stature? He didn't count it robbery to be counted equal with God. In other words, he saw... They're equal, but he came and took on him the form of a servant and lived amongst us. How's that for humility? He's our example. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ. When we talk about the transformation of our minds, just look at the life of Jesus and say, I refuse. I'm going to be diligent to pattern my life after this, whether, whether I get accolades or not, and whether I get, I get something back for it or not, doesn't matter. That's what Jesus calls us to. And if every one of you would walk in that, you will settle disputes. You will forgive one another. You will love one another. So, 1 John chapter 3, I said I'm going to stop after this, these two verses, and I mean that. 
1 John chapter 3, verse 11. I'm reading from the New English translation. 1 John 3, verse 11 to 18. For this is the gospel message that you heard from the beginning. That we should love one another. You, this was part of the gospel message. That you heard from the beginning. That you should love one another. Guys, that's not an option. That's not something you say, okay, when I come to Jesus and I take this and I take that and I take that. It's not optional. It's a command. It's built into love one another. So not like Cain who was the first evil one and brutally murdered his brother. Not love like that. And why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil, but his brothers were righteous. Holy smoke, that can happen in church life. That's called jealousy. We can have jealousy rise and we can cut our, somebody else off at the knees. Because we, we wish we were them or we wish what they had. Listen, that's back to preferring one another. Be grateful for the gifts and callings God's put in all of you as a body together to, do, to fulfill the will of God. It says, verse 13. Therefore, do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have crossed over from death to life because we love. What's love? Love does not look for love in return. We know that we have crossed over from death to life because we love our fellow Christians. Because John's basically saying the same thing as I am right here, right now. And I'm actually saying it because he said it. But he's basically saying, if you love one another, that's where the forgiveness is. And you cannot, you absolutely cannot love like this without God. Because I'm back to it. So he says, you know, you actually passed from death to life. If you can, if you can express the love of God to one another, you know something supernatural and divine and sovereign has happened in your life. You know something otherworldly has taken place. And he goes on, he says, listen to this. The one who does not love remains in death. That's strong language. And I judge myself by those words. I've, I Honestly, I, I'm not saying I always succeed, but I judge myself. So there's still death hanging on to me. That doesn't mean I'm totally dead. But in those areas, I remain in death. If I, don't, if, if I can't love you, I, I, if I can't forgive, if I can't prefer you, if I can't esteem you as higher than myself, if I can't do that, then I remain in death. There's death in me. If you hate someone, there's death in you. This is Bible, guys. This is Bible. I judge myself with these words. Verse 15. Everyone who hates his fellow Christian is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Look at verse 16. We have come to know love by this. That Jesus laid down his life for us. Oh, man. See, he's connecting. Let me read the rest of that, and then I'm going to comment on it. Thus, we ought to lay down our lives for our fellow Christians. Holy smoke. We have come to know love by this, that Jesus laid down his life for us. Thus, we ought to lay down our lives for our fellow Christians. See, this is the whole point I was making. If we're not full of the love of God, we won't lay down our lives. But here is the love that we know, that Christ laid down his life for us. And the more secure in that I become, the more I can lay down my life for a fellow Christian, whether I like them or not.
In a community like this, there's all kinds of history. You've got all kinds of history with all kinds of people. I laughed often, you've heard me say it, that when people ask us, so where are you from? They mean, where were you born, raised, and lived before you moved here? Say, so, well, Linda and I, we figured out we've moved either 29 or 31 times. Between Linda and I, we've had driver's licenses in six provinces and some of them two or three times. Between Linda and I and our three children, we represent the five western provinces. So, you see, you see I, I end up moving away from relationships. So there's not always long-term history, but you guys got long-term history. Oh, so-and-so did this to my grandpa. My grandpa didn't like so-and-so and their second offenses. And you go back and tell the stories. And then you say, see, there it is again. There it is. When I say you, I don't mean you specifically. Although, if it rings your bell, you ought to listen to it. <laughs> but as a community, it's like, yeah, there it is again. His grandpa was just like that. His dad, man, that dude was messed up. That whole family is. What did you expect from that family? Uh-uh. Not as believers. We let go of all that stuff. We let go of it, guys. Is it hard to let go of it? Yeah, that's why we need the love of God. Because in the natural, in my flesh, it's either hard or impossible. But I'm not talking about doing it in the natural. I'm talking about doing it with Jesus. And if we're just going to do it in the natural, we're going to tear the house down. Verse 17. But whoever has the world's possessions and sees his fellow Christian in need and shuts off his compassion against him, how can the love of God reside in such a person? Wow. So there's somebody we know maybe, and I'm referring to nobody here. I promise I'm not. But there's somebody maybe we know that, that um, has terrible control of their finances. They're just horrible with their finances. So do we shut them out? Or do we help them figure it out? Well, I'm not giving them anymore. They're just going to squander it. Well, who said I shouldn't give and try to disciple at the same time? Hello? Because I love that brother. I love that sister. So, verse 18. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. And with that, I'm going to stop. It's not good enough to say, yeah, we love our community. It's not good enough to say, oh, yeah, I love this person. And the next week, I'm just totally at odds and not willing to fix it. It's not good enough. Then our words mean nothing. And John is basically saying, if you're going to pick between words... Little children, let us not love with word or with our tongue, but in deed and in truth. With what we do and in truth. With how we live and in truth. Let's love like that. Let's love like that. And I call you to that. Would you stand with me? Thanks, guys. You're always patient with me, huh? I just saw the time. It's because I took my glasses off. We need to be filled with Jesus to do this. We need to be filled with God. And if you have to go now, I release you. And those of you that are online, I get it. But I just feel before God here for this group. We need to be filled with God. It takes God to love God. And it takes God to love our, our, our fellow uh, brothers and sisters. And now I'm saying that just in general. Not just in the church. Not just in the community of faith. But 
but also in the community. It takes God to do that. We need to be filled with his spirit, guys. This is not just supposed to be information. And without uh, uh, the band playing or anything, I want to invite you all up. Right now, I don't know whether we'll end up laying on hands on everybody or not, but I want to invite you up. If you say, Lord, I want to be filled with you so my life is a reflection of you, not just in what I say, but in what I do. And the Holy Spirit might be talking to you to change some stuff. He might be talking to you about specific individual you need to talk to. But I just want to invite you up now. Come on up, guys. We don't have to have sound to do that or singing to do that. I want to invite you up to be filled with Jesus. This isn't, I'm not inviting you up for, 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 you know, to repent, though you might. But I'm inviting you up to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm inviting, like, if, I'll tell you, if I was standing in the pew now, I'd be coming up. Come on up and fill this. Well, there's no pews here, but you know what I'm talking about. Just come on up so that nobody's in the aisles. Just kind of fill in here. I'd be doing this if I was standing there because, because you know what? A, a message like this, when somebody preaches something like this and I'm listening and not the guy talking, when I hear a message like that, it draws a line in the sand for me and I go, oh God, I'm messing this up. And I can, I can do better at it. I know I can, but I can't do it without you. That's what this call is for. Inviting us all. And you're, you know, the whole works. Come on, keep crowding in, guys, so nobody feels like they're... Because, you know, everybody's come up. Just about every, almost everybody. If not everybody. Look at this. You guys, look around. Look around at one another just for a minute. Just look around. You see, this is the brotherhood of believers. And you're all standing here now making a commitment before God. Saying, Lord, as you empower me, I want to walk this stuff out. That's what you're doing. So, you know, there should come a place of safety that you feel to one another. <laughs> Look at this. Holy Spirit. Let's put our hands out before him just like this. Holy Spirit, now in the name of Jesus, I commit this dear people to you. I commit these people who are saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, to your will. Yes, Lord, to your ways. Yes, Lord, to your love. Not just that they'd know and feel your love and have a revelation of your love, but, but Lord, also that they would be carriers of your love, not their love, your love, to their friends and families and work, workmates and schoolmates and wherever they connect. Holy Spirit, come now. Would you fill us? We want you, Lord Jesus. We not only need you, God, we want you. Let every work of the enemy to, to strategy of hell, to come against that weakest link, our human flesh. We say in the name of Jesus, we break it off now. I'm not talking about just corporately. I'm talking about you need to say that even as individuals. Where you see it in your own life, say, you know what? I, I let myself be, function in darkness there and there was death on that. In Jesus' name now, I, I cut that off. I, I see, that I see I, I'm no longer deceived by this. I see it. In Jesus' name, I cut it off. I cut it off. Lord, let there be, search me, O oh God. Let there be no wicked way in me, I pray. And for my friends, I ask you for a baptism of your Holy Spirit right now. I ask you for the energy of the Holy Spirit, the life of the Spirit in the name of Jesus to come and fill. Would you come and fill us, Lord? We just call out to you and say, God, you've done so much for us. Fill us so that we be a reflection of you in our actions. Holy Spirit, come. There's going to be some relational healing this week. Somebody's going to try to see something restored. You're going to go in humility. And I just see a relationship being restored this week. Be obedient to God. And even if it doesn't get restored, be obedient to God. Holy Spirit, fill now, I ask you. Fill, fill, fill. Fill with your spirit. 